Hey, you know, the Lord has begun some neat things. And, you know, how many have realized I've been talking a lot about sharing, witnessing, discipling? How many know I've been talking about that a lot here recently? Yeah, we've been preaching. I'm going to keep preaching it. So if you didn't realize and sense the theme, now you know. Because that's what the Lord is doing. Because He's called us to this. And I have to remind you every Sunday, and I don't mind reminding you, how many are in the faith? How many are in life? Then you are now a new as their life, not in your life as their life. How many have Jesus as their life? Then you are now a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And you are now officially called a disciple. Amen? Amen? You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to just dig in just a little bit more today, just as the Lord's kind of shared it in, in, in late of my heart. We, we were looking at a, a verse, uh, a couple verses in a story uh, at men's meeting Wednesday night, and the poor men sometimes, they end up, uh, something comes to my heart while we're meeting as men, and then I end up preaching it on Sunday. So sometimes I get a little bit of a double whammy. But uh, that's just how the Lord sometimes works and when we gather together, and I love that. But what I'd like you to do real quick is turn to Luke chapter 7, if you could. Luke 7, and we're going to start at verse 36. And we're just going to actually be spending probably the next two months just looking at the stories and the parables of Jesus and what He's speaking to us. And so this is one today um, regarding Christ and, and what He was doing in some lives here. But it has everything to do with Him and everything to do with us. Praise the Lord. So, Luke chapter 7, and we, uh, you can land there in verse 36, but one of the things I want to look at here is this. What it is about discipling and evangelizing and bearing witness is introducing people to the one that matters most in your life. And maybe sometimes I need to say the things that matter most, <laughs> but the one that matters the most. And who is it that matters most? The most. Jesus. If he doesn't matter the most, then introducing him is not going to be high on your priority list. All right, I'm going to say it again. If Jesus doesn't matter most, I'm not saying that at all times, in every way, in every shape or form, you, you are altogether always heavenly minded. No, we're still growing into that. But does he still ultimately matter most? When it comes to decisions, when it comes to actions, when it comes to responses, does what he think matter more than what the rest of the world thinks? or what you think. See, when He is at the top of the list, when He is uh, on the throne of our lives, then guess who we want to introduce? Him. Correct? We want to introduce Him. Hello, have you met my friend Jesus? Not sacrilege, no, that's the Bible. Have you met my Lord? Jesus. Have you met my Savior? Jesus. Have you met my forgiver? Jesus. Have you met my redeemer? Jesus. Have you met the one that loves me more? Do we think we have to convince people? Jesus. Have you met him? See, how many times do we think we have to convince people about Jesus? Come on. Come on, guys. I just got started. You're acting like I'm halfway through the message right now. Come on. I just got started. How many times do we feel like we have to convince people to follow Jesus? Not our job. I'm not in the convincing business anymore. I'm too exhausted by that. I just want to introduce people to the one who matters most. Well, how do I do that? 
How do you introduce your best friend to people? How do you introduce your spouse to people? How do you introduce your parents to people? How do you do that? By knowing them and saying, hey, I'd like you to meet. Right? And so this is what we look. I, I, let, me, let me just share a couple introductions here that are found throughout Scripture. Who's with me right now? Everybody say introductions. Introductions. John the Baptist is standing by a river and declares loudly, Behold, looking at everybody, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of mankind. He introduced those people to him. Why? Because who did John get to know through the Spirit of God at that point? Jesus. Andrew, the Apostle Andrew, one of the first ones, you know what he did? He walked over to his brother Peter, who at that singular moment could have cared less, and Andrew said, we found the Messiah. Let me take you to him. <laughs> That's all she wrote. A couple verses later, it says they left everything and followed him. Right? Philip says, to, to, after he meets Jesus and he goes and finds Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew, takes, takes him by hand and says, hey, we found the Christ. Come here, i got to introduce you to him. Do you know that's how some of the disciples came, became the disciples? Because he introduced a few who went and introduced, or met a few who introduced a few others, and ultimately we ended up at 12. How many disciples do we have in here? How many people have been called by Jesus Christ? You can do the same thing. Doing the same thing. So let's look at this starting in verse 36. We got these introductions. So let's look at this for a moment. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. We find out a little bit later down the road and in other Gospels here that this man's name was Simon. Simon. Jesus had healed him. Simon had leprosy. We find that out in just another gospel. Simon the leper is what he was known as. He had leprosy. Jesus healed him. So I almost feel like this, this, this party Simon was having was a what? Hey, come on, guys. Check out this guy over here, man. He healed me. He healed me. Speaking of healing, Pat Shiflet in the back. Pat Shiflet, attention, Pat Shiflet. Can you raise your hand in the air? Because I know you care. She was reading her Bible. I can't get after her for that. Pat had pneumonia. Looked bad. Jesus stepped in. She looks good. Amen. <laughs> now, if we could just get Victor squared away. We got to get those two valves fixed, right? Hey, Jesus, we just thank you right now in Jesus' name for bringing healing just like you did Simon, just like you did Pat, just like you do in so many other lives. Thank you for bringing healing to Brother Victor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You believe that today? Amen. I'm believing that with you. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, more than likely were looking at prostitution, maybe an adulteress, something along that lines, because that was usually what it aimed in on. 
Uh, could have been something else, but, but learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. Well, since they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have a phone, they didn't have any other things, someone had to have done what? Now, we find out in other Gospels, this is more than likely Mary, the, the sister of Lazarus. Okay? She uh, finds out Jesus is going to be at Simon's house. And there's a possibility Simon's having a big old, big old blast because the Lord's done healed him, and he wants people to know this rabbi Jesus has healed him. He wants people to know Jesus. We'll see. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. My guess is she, didn't, she had not been invited But what I love, and it almost causes me to want to weep every time, just like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, she did not care what lay in her, in her way. She had to get to Jesus. <laughs> the door open, maybe. I don't even know if she knocked the door on the door. She flung the door open, maybe. Saw where he was, or maybe even had to ask because she hadn't seen him before with this jar of what they called was nard, a year's, worth, a year's salary worth of this special ointment, often used in anointing uh, the dead. She came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, understand, when they ate dinner, they did not sit at chairs, they lounged. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. This woman was expressing extravagant love in a way no one had ever seen before. For someone who at that moment had not been healed like Simon had been healed because she was healthy physically that we know of. Yet she knew something was there. She knew this Jesus. This Jesus is my only hope, my only answer, and I've got to be in His presence. And such love began to pour out of her. It astounded all those around her. So much so that in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Well, you know what this just did? This just took off the veil of the fact that Simon still did not know who Jesus was. He saw him as a rabbi that God used to touch him, but he's still doubting whether, he, I don't even know if he really believed in any way, shape, or form that Jesus was the answer for all mankind. I don't think he believed that at all. And then to look at this woman and declare, she's a sinner. How could he touch her? Ooh. <laughs> I 
I want you guys to just for a moment, then we're going to read the next verse. Let's look at the two people in this besides Jesus. We have a, a, a man who, and he was what? Sick religious person. And I say sick, he had what? And he was what? Healed. A sick religious person and a healthy sinner. We had a sick religious person and a healthy sinner. And here's the part, and I want everybody to get this right now. They both needed Jesus real bad. In fact, they both needed Jesus equally. Because the physical part didn't matter as much as the... And just because Simon was religious didn't mean he was in any way headed for eternal life. And we know Mary, who who made no bones about it, was not headed to eternal life. They both needed a Savior. But how easy is it to look upon the sins of others, you know what I mean? And I'm going to throw this in. Or look upon your own sin rather than focusing on a Savior. Here's Simon. And there's two people sitting in front of him. One that matters a lot and one that matters more than anything in the entire world. Who does he choose to look at? Look at how awful she is. Look at the sin. Look at this. Look at that. Completely keeping his eyes off of who? Had he looked at Jesus and seen the love and the grace and the mercy, it's as though he would have been changed and his view of that person would have been changed. Amen? Who got that right now? Because I got it this morning and I was doing a dance in my office. So, you know, wow. How do I approach people who are just in such a shape? Because I was in such a shape. How do I approach people who do things that I don't agree with? I approach them knowing that Jesus is their answer and Jesus is my answer. And my eyes are on Jesus right now, so I'm just, (laughs) I love you. I can tell you I love you because I know Jesus loves me. And I know Jesus loves you. So this is probably close to my favorite verse in this whole, whole story, at least the NIV's version of it. Jesus answered him, talking to Simon, Simon, I have something to tell you. Isn't that good, Lane? Boy, if Jesus looked at you in the eyes and said, I got something to tell you. Now, his love would be there, absolutely, but I know I had better be listening Amen. No, Simon says, but don't you see, Jesus? I got something to tell you. (laughs) Simon says, tell me, teacher, he said. 41, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay, pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. 
You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. See, these were all things that you did for guests of honor. What did Simon really think of Jesus? Who's getting that? See, Simon was a little bit off, wasn't he? He's a whole lot off. As a matter of fact, what Jesus is saying is, you know what? From the moment I've walked in here, your eyes have been on yourself the whole time. And if it's not been on yourself, it's been on this person sitting here that you want to talk about their sin. Simon, oh, don't let me miss this here. We got to get to this right here. This is, my, this is just so awesome. 47, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. How did we know that she had been forgiven? Because what came pouring out of her for Jesus? How did we know that Simon, I'm not going to say was not forgiven, but was not in a state of forgiveness because of his lack of what? Love pouring out. Follow me with this last verse, last sentence in verse 47. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Now, I want to just share something with you. The Aramaic, I just want to broaden this just a hair, okay, to, to maybe allow this to be a little more chewable. Whoever has been forgiven little loves a little. Let me, let, let me just rephrase that. Those who assume they have little to be forgiven of will love little. Those who have little to be forgiven of will end up loving Jesus little. Here's the crazy part. When Simon was looking at Mary... He might as well have been looking at who? Amen? And there sat his hope, forgiving her. Still with the opportunity for true forgiveness from Jesus. What I'm getting at is, has Jesus held out on either of them? One received it. One didn't think he needed it. Come on, church. Oh, I haven't done that bad of stuff. I'm in the church now. I've been sitting in the pews for 35 years. You say, Mary was a little over the top in how she worshiped. Not according to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Doesn't she need to keep it and lay it low a little bit? I'm not saying people can't worship Jesus low, you know, a little low, absolutely. But I'm saying when you're walking in condemnation, what a sinner. And then she acts like this? Come on now. 48. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, look, your sins are forgiven. Every time Jesus said that around people, it shook everybody up. How can he say that? In fact, 49, the other guests began to say, who is this who even forgives sin? (laughs) Before I go any further, I just want to say this. When it comes to people, sin is what we're born into. Sin 
is what separates us from God. And without a Savior to forgive us and atone us of our sin, we're headed for hell. Amen? Don't ever forget that. In fact, if anything, we have to realize we need a Savior. And I'm going to tell everybody here, whether you know it or not, we've got one. His name is what? Yes. Isn't that awesome to say? His name is Jesus. In the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. He is Lord. Amen? So we have have to understand that when we're dealing with folks, we've got to get our eyes off the sin and get them on the Savior when it's dealing with people. We've got to start pointing out the sin and pointing to the who. When was the last time that knowing your sin got you eternal life? Actually, John 17, 3 says, knowing the Father and the one He sent, the Son, will bring you eternal life. Knowing your sin or pointing out somebody else's sin will not get eternal life. But I'm going to tell you what. We are equally told, hey, without Jesus, this is going to destroy you. But I want to point to Jesus because He's your answer. We have got to stop walking around with the mindset of straighten up and fly right and start looking upon those here, upon those that are outside that we work with, that we go to school with, with the same eyes that Jesus looks at them. I want you saved. I give you salvation. I give you forgiveness. Do you assume that you need it? Had those two died at that moment, In the dispensation that we are in now, Simon would have been in hell. Mary would have been in heaven. And who was the one that was healed? He thought he'd gotten it all then. No, that's the graciousness of our God. But Simon had to take hold of what truly mattered. And what was that? His own need for salvation. How many know that it doesn't matter the sin uh, of the person next to you. You're just as bad. How many know that regardless of the sin of the person in front of you, you're just as bad? How many know that no matter the, 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 the sin of the past of the person sitting across the aisle from you, yours was just as bad? How many know that when we all came and were brought to this earth and we Yet we were all born into sin, and how many know here that we were all at one time, every one of us sitting here headed for hell? How many know that? Come on, how many know that? You say, well, what kind of God? No, God doesn't want to send people to hell, but you know what? His holiness, He has to without the redemptive reception, receiving that redemption through the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus. He made a way out of His love. He doesn't want to do that. But guys, that's where we come in at. How many are thankful? And I can't say this enough. And you say, oh, I hear this all the time. That's our problem. We hear it all the time, and we're getting so fat in our heads and not fat in our hearts. Who's hearing that? How many are thankful that Jesus saved you from hell? How many are thankful that Jesus has atoned your sin? How many would bust into a house eagerly 
to anoint the feet of Jesus, your Savior, regardless of what people thought of you, because you knew that He was your only answer, then I want to introduce Him to everybody. Don't you? Oh, man. Hey, I got an answer. I can't convince you. You're going to have to take hold of it, but I got, I got an answer. The answer. Capital T-H-E answer. His name's Jesus. He will set you free. He will save your soul. He will start you here. He will start you now. To God be the glory. Amen. Who's hearing this right now? Now, here's the cool part. I've had a whole bunch of cool parts in here, haven't I? Verse 49 the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? One of the translations says, and Jesus ignored them. <laughs> Jesus was so cool. <laughs> Jesus ignored him and said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Uh, the Lord used Jimmy Madison to pour, point this out to me because I'd never seen this before. Then he gave the woman a command, not a suggestion, not a possibility for her life. He command, the very first thing he commanded her to do was what? Go in peace. Grant me 30 seconds to unwrap that. Peace is the word shalom. Anybody heard that word before? Shalom is more than just being at a state of not at war. Right? It's way more than that. Shalom is, I am walking in completeness, I am walking in wholeness, I am walking in freedom, and I want to share it with others. Did you catch that? I'm walking in freedom, I'm walking in wholeness, I'm walking in completeness, and I want to share it with others. Did anybody catch what I just said? I'm walking in wholeness, I'm walking in freedom, I am complete, and I want to... Do you know what he just told this lady? Your sins have been forgiven. Now, go tell everybody as you are free, look what the Lord has. Because at that moment, she became a what? A disciple of Jesus. Are you starting to see Jesus was doing this a whole lot? He didn't mess around, did he? In fact, I started looking at the Gospels, I realized, holy cow, Jesus called 12 guys to follow. Everybody else, what did he do? What did he do with everybody else that came to become a, a, a disciple? Go in peace. Go in peace. Go tell your home what you've done. Go tell them, look what the Lord has done. Go, go, go. He immediately made you a missionary. Don't go out there looking at the walls at our missionary wall. They're just the ones that are in other countries. You're missionaries too. Amen? There is somebody at work this week that needs to be introduced. Oh, it gets quiet when I say that, I know. There is somebody at your workplace. There is somebody where you live. There is somebody in your neighborhood. There is somebody at your school. There is somebody somewhere that needs to be introduced to your Savior, your Lord, your Redeemer, your friend. If you know Him today, then go in peace. If you know Him today, go in peace. Amen? Now, we're going to partake in communion here today, and here's the beautiful part, and I love this. Um, let's see, can somebody just grab this? This thing got locked on me, and it got, like all crazy and won't drag right, and it'll end up falling down into the communion cups, and that won't be pretty. Thank you, Cherie, my ever helper over here. 
We're going to take part in communion in remembering. He said, this do in remembrance of me. But the beautiful part is Paul wrote in Corinthians, as you do this, you are proclaiming my, my death. Christ crucified, what he did for us. You are proclaiming that to who every time we take this? Who are we proclaiming it to? Oh, there's a lot of uncertain people in this place. Who are we proclaiming it to? The world. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready to proclaim Jesus to the world? That's what communion is. That's what it is. That's what Scripture says. Lord Jesus, prepare our hearts. I'm going to ask ushers to, or the, the servers to come on up, please. Servers, come on up. Lord Jesus, we just want to praise you and thank you, Father, as you prepare us here today. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have accomplished and all that you continue to do.